0: Mmm. Mmm. I love Babs. I'm talking on Babs. Rose Ivy. And I have the fabulous Jonathan Quinn Berryman. I'm sorry, Dr. Jonathan Quinn Berryman as my guest this morning. Good morning.
1: Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me?
0: Of course I hear you. I see you. Where are you sitting at? Is this your house?
1: This is my house. I'm sitting in front of my stoop. I said, it's a beautiful day outside. I'm tired of being indoors. School is about to start again where I'm going to have to be somewhere inside. I said, you know what? I'm gonna come and sit on the stoop this morning. I don't have a porch <laughs> you have a uh, listen, listen, a porch
0: is anywhere, right as a, as you, sure as is. you well know, so yeah, school's getting started. Did you enjoy your summer?
1: I'm still enjoying summer oh, okay. Oh, okay, oh oh yeah, oh please uh, yeah. anybody uh, that's what summer's about. You figure out how to enjoy yourself. figure I, I out what that right. means now' Because it so, changes.
0: So Jonathan hangs out at the porch, right? And we have these rich conversations. Some are not for air, for consumption, but some are. And um, I was talking to him last night about, you know, we always talk about education. We always talk about music. We always talk about music education, what kids need, what kids don't need. Uh, and it's like, you just come on this morning, give us, give us a sense of uh, where we are education-wise. I remember when I was a kid, Jonathan, we always had music. I grew up having music. I'm not a musician, but I always had music instruction, music appreciation. All the way through college, too, we had music appreciation. I don't oh. know if, if they still have that in schools as a requirement. It was, requi- I mean, it was just part of my day.
1: So, yes. So, so, interestingly enough, here in New Haven, which, you know, and I am biased. I admit that. But I think New Haven has one of the best educational systems in the state. Um, and and particularly for music and the arts. And and part of that is because Benjamin Jepson, the the person for whom Jepson School is named, was one of the first public music school teachers in the nation.
0: Wow, I didn't know that.
1: So so in many ways, public education, having music in public schools in this country uh, is indigenous to New Haven, Connecticut. I love that uh so so Benjamin jefferson that's why that school is named after uh that he he carried instruments from school to school back in the early part of the of the nineteen hundreds and and was insistent that educ- that music be a part of education in public schools
0: mm-hmm. well uh, studies have shown that when there is music education in schools, students do better
1: well, there certainly is a correlation, and you know how I feel i said. All of this stuff about science, technology, engineering, and math is cute, but it means nothing without the arts. That that everything that science, technology, engineering, and math was designed to do was, de, was uh, uh, really stems from explaining artistic principles. So these are so. For what I mean? Why is the sky blue? To, that's how you know all these science things came out. Why do men and women sound different after puberty? That's a scientific principle. You know, how is it that these pitches sound good and these don't? Well, that's about wavelength and how they interact. So everything we have, even the piano, oh, that's an instrument. But do you know the technology that goes into building an instrument? The technological piece of instrument design is a whole separate entity from just being able to play it. i I
0: love i love i love the way now i feel like i'm getting a real education right now i love the way that you wove that into all the things we say kids need or interested in the technology piece the engineering piece the building piece and we're talking about an instrument we're not talking about a rocket ship we're talking about an instrument and it requires the same commitment of of intellect uh, math skills, engineering skills, physics, geometry, all the things to make the instrument. I like it.
1: And, and if you really look at what most people are doing now, even with technology, TikTok is still very musical. TikTok, yes. <laughs> TikTok is musical, it's music, it's theater, and dance. It's the triple threat that the arts have always known.
0: <laughs> we, so just we now have
1: a digital platform to enhance all of that.
0: So we should be embracing more artistic expression and artistic exploration. And that's what I'm hearing from you.
1: So, so the artistic exploration is the foundation of everything we do. So, so what people are discovering is if you, you can have the technological piece, but without the artistic piece, you don't know how to apply the technology. So it's important. Mm, I like that. I like that. So-, so it's always been the marriage between the two that, mm-hmm. that uh, you know, people were artistic first, then it became technological. You can go always back to the sculptures of Michelangelo, Michel- Michelangelo. He was, by Angelou, Michelangelo. And <laughs> <laughs> ooh, that, but you can always go, you could go back to those sculptures. He was an artist first. And then had to figure out the technology of how do I get what I, what do I see out of this marble? Tishan's uh, red. He was an artist first. He said, "I'm going to make a red that they will be talking about for years to come." And <laughs> right, so it, yes. it, he was an artist first, but then the, techno- the the technological piece. How do I mix? How do I master these ingredients to make what I see in my head? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, it, so- there's all kinds science, technology, engineering, and math woven into the fabric of what arts really are? Mm.
0: So New Haven is fortunate. We have a strong arts community that surrounds all these gazillion schools that we have, um, which I think is uh, quite healthy and quite necessary. Um, Are we reaching as many kids as we
1: should with our arts programs in our schools? well I, I think uh at the k eight level uh, we reach students uh the question do we go deeply enough is a whole nother question mm-hmm. right you can reach me with stuff that I'm not impressed by we we oh. all we all get approached by uh, stuff that we aren't impressed by go shopping at a the store they got lots of clothes <laughs> I ain't, uh so it, so at the pre-K through eight level, it's more about being uh, relevant. Are we, are, we, are we reaching them with things that are relevant? And, and even if they're relevant to the discipline, are we showing embracing uh, or surrounding and saturating students in, in how they are relevant to, to their culture and other cultures? Mm. At the high school level, unfortunately, we don't have arts access uh, fully integrated into all of our high schools. Okay, uh, and that's simply an issue of let's just go on and do it and pay for it and stop playing it. Uh uh-huh.
0: because once you get that educational appreciation K through eight, if you don't get it in high school, for some students, if they're not in some kind of musical program like or going to a, a performing school, um, they lose they lose access to it, except pop just popular music and what they enjoy.
1: Well, and, and, and for me, uh, you know, I, really, I think we long realized that arts appreciation um, was not enough. Right? Okay. So, so in, in the Common Core Standards uh, that were revised for music and art in 2014, we recognize that the arts are technical subjects. And at the crux of, of, at the beginning of the artistic process is not appreciation, it's creative. Mhm so so, oftentimes, so it, even with these modern standards, there was a deliberate shift into the waste of money that we were putting into just having people look at stuff and talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> that is not the point. You could do that anywhere, that's why it's okay, and so now I know all this stuff if I go on Jeopardy, I might be able to get a two hundred dollar question. But how is that going to help me? <laughs> So, so we now recognize that looking at it and listening to it is is not the beginning. If it is the beginning, it's the beginning of now. You have to create something like it. Yeah. Right. So, as a creation piece, what we were not doing before was understanding that we. It is our job to create to develop the artist in everybody. Oh, so, right, oh, that's a different. That's artist. a little
0: bit of a shift right there. That, it's
1: a I like tender that. shift. Yeah. It's like, no, no, no. I, I, The reason I show all this to you is because now you have to do it. And so, so I think about the people who watch cooking shows and then never cook. Well, what is the point? Okay, wait, wait. Why Hold up watch? now.
0: Hold up now.
1: <laughs> but in other words, at some point for it to be a, a, a full process, you then have to endeavor to do what, you, what you've you been exposed to. Mm. So now Can that you I know just... This-
0: can I just watch no, the I'm show because I enjoy it, <laughs> not because I want to cook?
1: <laughs> you can. You can. I mean, so, so but it is, so there, are Yes, yeah, some of us are consumers, right? So some watch because they like what they're doing. They want to be informed. Others watch because they actually want to put those recipes into play. Okay. So, so we differentiate. We understand that people are going to differentiate how they apply it. Mm-hmm. I'm not a cook. At all, no, I, I, I mean, I know how not to starve, but I, you know, you will not get fine dining from me, and, and you won't starve either. But you might not desire what you have in front of you, <laughs> uh, and you call so, yourself a southern man. Are you kidding me? You know, I when, I when I put my kitchen and I said build it, and they will come. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh Somebody's gosh. gonna,
1: cook, some, but, ooh, gonna cook. A convection microwave, sure I'll get that one. Somebody's gonna figure out use An air fryer, I got one. Somebody's gonna figure out. So if you want if you like to cook, come on in. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. The only thing I regret not having now is a pot filler. But uh <laughs>
0: <laughs> well I, I guess the old fashioned sink will
1: have to do. <laughs> look, if you cook, I'll carry the water from the sink down to the pot.
0: There you go. There you go.
1: I think joshua when I first met you, I think
0: I think you're the person I had this conversation with. I can't remember. It was a while ago. When we were talking about school uniforms. Was that you?
1: Oh Lord. Yes, I'm sure it was me.
0: Yes, you were coming off somebody else's show at WNHH. And I was passing you because I was coming in to do my set. And I heard you talking about it and you enlightened me because up until that moment, I rather liked school uniforms. I like school uniforms because I believe, like everybody else believed, that they were a great leveling field for kids. That other affluent kids and poor kids could exist without, without having to worry about if they are suitably dressed or have the nicer things or not. But when I heard you speak about school uniforms as part of the school to prison pipeline, a light bulb went off in my head and I immediately began to understand that. And it changed my whole perspective on uniforms. I mean, it in that one conversation, it changed my whole point of view. I never went back to saying I am for school uniforms. So I want you to talk, I want you to share a little bit of uh, your feelings on that so people could hear what I heard and why I had that light bulb moment.
1: Well, sure. So like you, I thought school uniforms were a wonderful thing until I did the research, um, the research in it uh, as part of a course I was taking at Southern as, uh, for my doctorate. Uh, and what I discovered was the uniforms come from the British schooling system. And and if you go to the British system, every yes. has a uniform. Every regardless of, of of where you go, all of the British system, all of the schools in the British system have uniforms. And and they have specific uniforms, so you know exactly where students go. Here in Connecticut, that's not the case. Here in Connecticut, the only people who are who have to wear school uniforms in public schools are are those at the Who live in districts, uh, I'm gonna say it the way I feel it. They live in the poorest districts in the state. If you live in a rich district in this state, uniforms aren't even talked about in the dress code. So here in Connecticut, if you wear a school uniform, not only do you probably go to a school that is in a poor district, you yourself might be on, you you yourself might live in poverty. So, if I see you in a uniform, I know you're broke. Oh. And you're probably black or brown. <sighs> and, and and then I thought so if I if you're in a wealthy white community, they don't even ask you to take your hat off. So what do I so essentially if, if you're in school in, in some of our urban districts like Waterbury, Bridgeport. Uh, Hartford, where school uniforms are mandatory from kindergarten through 12th grade. Wow. If you're accepted into Harvard and you go to school in a Harvard sweatshirt, you'll probably end up in the principal's office because you're out of uniform. Wow. And then it doesn't, it, it, what I've also discovered is it doesn't hide who has money and who doesn't because our uniforms tend to be generic blue a blue polo shirt and khaki pants but we can tell by the thread count who has money and who doesn't yeah so folk can look at whether or not your stuff is clean and neatly pressed and figure out whether or not somebody's taking care of you at home well or not so and then if we're all dressed the same then i'm going to talk about your hair if i want to pick on you i'm gonna pick on you i'm gonna find something else to talk about wow so it, it so school uniforms are not an equalizer what they are is something, what they really do is make people's need invisible. Wow, that's pretty powerful. That makes people's needs invisible because you no longer really see me as me. You see me as a cog in the wheel.
0: And 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 that's prison. <laughs> that's how prison rolls.
1: So the only two public institutions that mandate oh attendance in a God. uniform are public schools that serve black and brown children and prisons.
0: Oh, my God, Jonathan. That is so crazy deep. That just, that just blows just It makes it easy
1: to exchange one uniform for mm-hmm. another. Do you have a paper on this? Well, I have a policy brief. (laughs) And part part of it is because if you go to school out of uniform, you immediately become a part of the penal system because somebody's harassing you about what you're wearing, not about whether or not you're intelligent. You're out of uniform. You got to go see the principal. You automatically go through a disciplinary process for your clothing. Not because, and you might be, like I said, you could be brilliant on your way to Harvard. But you're in the principal's office and I are in New Haven. You could be brilliant on your way to Yale and you're in the principal's office because you aren't wearing what we told you to wear. How do we miss this, Jonathan? How do we miss these?
0: How do we miss this thinking? How do we miss it? Do, do the people that make these decisions, they don't come to it this way, do they? They think they're... Equalizing, I don't know how do we how do we get the aha moment in
1: the places where it should make the difference. Well, first of all, you have to have people in in positions of authority and policy making who actually read research and who actually respond to research and not respond to well. This is how I grew up. This I like. This this is my gut reaction. We have these people who ego trip Mm -hmm. instead of read research. Mm. and so we got a whole lot of stubborn people who 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 like what they do and who talk a good game but that's about it mm. they 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 talk a good game but when you look at how they walk it ain't right that's pretty powerful to and there are more of those than anything else yeah
0: that's pretty powerful. We, we really should do away with school
1: uniforms. They need to go. They need to go outright. And so, so first of all, second of all, it is not academic to tell people what to do. That, that, is a low, <laughs> that is so low level in this place where we're talking about high academic achievement and being self-actualized and analyzing and creating. Yet I'm going to tell you, this is what you do. That is not teaching. That is lording over somebody. We are, you have become an overseer, not an instructor. Ooh. So these vestiges wow. of slavery are still in our public schools. Yeah. So we're going to tell you what to do, when to do, how to do. And though we talk about academic freedom, you ain't got no <laughs> limits. Yeah.
0: And, you know, it's, uh, I just finished reading, um, 400 souls and uh, and the threads of slavery are so long and deep. Like they are in our everyday practical lives and how we have structure and order and particularly with the education system. It is, it is quite chilling to sort of understand that and see the, the connection and the correlation between then and now and how all, all the things that we built upon based on the enslavement of people. It's, it's, it, I, don't, I don't know how we're ever going to get from underneath that.
1: Well, I, I, part of it is you continue to, to uh, uh, speak truth to power and make sure it, keep, it, it, makes sure it listens. Mm. Uh, that I think sometimes and and all of us are are products of our environment, we're all products of what we grew up learning and and at this point in life, you know I'm 50 years old I know there was some stuff that I learned growing up that I now look back and analyze and see where it came from and I realize uh, that stuff has no real real foundation other than they were trying to run me
0: (laughs) I haven't heard that expression in a long time
1: (laughs) So many of us grew up with this idea that it was our job to run people. It was our job to be the boss. It was our job to boss people around and have them uh, conform to this status quo or to this system to conform to the system that was already in place rather Mm -hmm. than to be your true best you uh, in your own system. Yeah. 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 we weren't, pre- we weren't talking about self-actualization. We were talking about acculturating and assimilating and fitting in uh, to the what essentially is the white supremacist system that runs America. Yeah. Even yeah. look at corporate culture. You know, you were taught to do this, go to school, get a degree, get a job, and, and stay there until you retire. Get your gold watch and go off into the fields of, of, of Elysium happily. <laughs> that has completely shifted, but people are still preaching that same old mess. Yeah, go to school, go to college, get a good job. That's not even how it works anymore. Yeah, nobody—they aren't talking about entrepreneurship. They aren't talking about what do you do well at, figure out how to do that. You know, everybody who's rich is talking about multiple streams of income, and we're still preaching go this one route. Mm-hmm. No. You do hair, you better learn how to do hair. You can get a corporate job. Learn how to do that too. Do everything you can do. Multiple streams of income. Yeah. I
0: mean I'm I'm starting to sort of see the inroads of that, but I, I don't see it in the I don't see it in the at the high school level or the school level. I I that kind of conversation is usually happening after, like once you, after you've gone to college, like no one is talking to kids about entrepreneurism. They're not, they're just
1: not, you know, so. And that's the, so that's where I am at this point in, in, in education, that from, from preschool, we need to talk about who are you? What are you good at? Yes, <laughs> you need to learn to read, you need to learn to write. Uh, oh, okay, so I am the product of a, I am a musician, Professional musician because my mother saw something in me and and sent me to piano lessons. Okay, it was not my. I there was no choice in that. She said, "No, I see it. You're doing." It. <laughs> now all of us took piano lessons, but I'm the, I'm the youngest of five. All of us took lessons, but I'm the only one who does it to the, does music to the extent that I uh, that I do. Uh, but but there were people who saw something in me in, in my early formative years and they pushed me in a direction uh, that was productive. Mm. So do we have people who are, who are looking at children and saying, you know, you do this very well, you might want to go, let me expose you to this over here. Because I think you'll do well to that. Well in that.
0: and Maybe to some degree because we have these performing art spaces here. You know, we have um, the school downtown and ECA and, and kids that gravitate to and, and the neighborhood music school and you know and and,
1: and we uh, but we have a school system of twenty two thousand children. Well, yeah. <laughs> and, yeah, and and my hunch at best we're serving two percent. Yeah, but That's imagine a, I'm if a,
0: we put that we, question to everybody.
1: I'm sorry, even if we got to the talented Tim. That would be twenty-two hundred kids. I'm. I don't see twenty-two hundred kids who are out there doing stuff at, at the artistic level that they really could do it if they knew they could do it. Yeah. If somebody pushed them in that direction, I might see two to four hundred. But I know I'm not seeing twenty-two hundred. Yeah. No, I think you're absolutely right. Because I... we'd have a we imagine the dance groups, the the orchestras, the bands the choirs, we would have, if we had tw- even 10% of our students doing it at a level that we know they could do, mm-hmm. at that high level.
0: No, I, I'm with you on that. I'm with you.
1: So I'm it says you. to me that, yes, yes, we're doing some, some, we're doing some things that are in the right direction, but we need to triple down on that right direction. Mm-hmm. So it's like a slot machine. Right. I, five of years ago, I was playing a slot machine. I was playing one quarter at a time and I got triple sevens and I didn't hit the jackpot. I said, why did I hit the jackpot? My first time there. And the person I was with, she's looked at me and said, because you didn't play three quarters. You only played one. You gotta put, you gotta play the max to get the max. Oh. We're playing one quarter at a time. <laughs> We need to start playing the max mm-hmm. so we can get the max. We don't have the max because we're not investing the money. Mm. That's a good point.
0: And, and, and if we say we care about education, why are we not funding it at the levels that it requires?
1: Well, Martin Luther King said it a long time ago. It's not whether or not we, uh, we have the capacity, it's whether or not we have the will. That's my favorite saying. There's
0: you know, no uh, will,
1: and and if nobody's up there talking about it, nobody's going to do it. Mm. Yeah, you know, we, we uh and I believe there are people who are willing to fund it, but but they want to see it. They want to see your vision about what can be. Um, and uh, first of all, if you don't have the vision, nobody's going to put any money toward your uh whatever your proposal. We watch Shark, Shark Tank, right? People come in asking for money, and some of them go right out the door with nothing. Say, so y'all got something going on, but it, it ain't, it ain't doing, hitting on a thing right now. Y'all need to go back to the drawing board and see what you're doing. <laughs> I think our arts world is the same way. We have people who are doing great things in pockets, but we need a collective vision. We need to come, and here, here is our collective vision as an arts community of what we want to see. We well, I think
0: see. I think Adrian Jefferson did a beautiful job of putting that cultural equity plan out there that people are actually working on, right? Like they're working on it in places. And uh, and and it's exciting. So I mean, I've never seen anything like it. And I've never seen anything like it in this city. And I dare say, um, not many other cities, but they are starting to adopt that that very thinking of. How do we collectively have a vision around what we want to see um, at the very high levels of the arts community and at the very beginning of the arts community, and that includes everything in between?
1: How do we how do we have these conversations? We have a shared vision. I love it. Exactly. That's why I said New Haven has it going on. You know, you have it, so everything starts with that process of, of, of people coming together to really look at what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and you know, COVID obviously uh, put us all in silos and, and, and prevented some real heart-to-heart discussions that, that take place when people are in the same room. Because uh, that's a different vibe than what happens online. Uh, but I think New Haven has what it takes to make sure to not only drive Connecticut, but really to drive the nation. I work with school children who are absolutely brilliant. And they don't know it. They don't know wow. it. Wow. You know, they, and I also recognize that it is it, 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 when they say it takes a, a community, a whole village, it does. It does. Our students need to be engaged not only with, with their teachers in school, but they need to be engaged with teachers across the district, across the uh, nation. They need to be in, in, engaged with uh, all of the artistic people within the community. Um, Because, you know, I believe that people are who they are when they're born. And it's about your connecting with the right people uh, at the right time that then propels you into into your being who you were designed to be. Mm-hmm. And what I do know is people who have not figured out what they are supposed to be are very good at destroying what already is. <laughs> Intelligent people who are frustrated will tear your world apart, mm. and they will do it. They will do it in a way that is consistent. They'll figure out how to. do it. Uh, Well,
0: I've enjoyed this conversation, Jonathan. I enjoyed the conversation we have on the porch. I enjoyed this conversation. And I think people heard some things that got them thinking about art appreciation and where it ought to be. Uh, I think people are going to think deeply, more deeply about this uniform
1: situation. Get rid of it. Uh, Get rid, if, you're still, if, you, if you're still insisting that your school has uniforms, uh, uh, you, you are a prison master. And I, I, just, I have no other way to say it. That's heavy. Well you got know, you stop being lazy and teach people how to dress appropriately for different situations and have some, some outlines for, for that. This is what this this is what's acceptable in, in a variety of settings and those and people have pushed the margins to the to the yarn. Uh but telling people what to wear, that is not freedom. hmm mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and worse, thinking that people don't have enough sense to know how to dress is even worse.
0: All right. Thank you very much, Dr. Jonathan Q. Berryman. Always a pleasure. Always enlightening. Likewise. Enjoy the summer. (laughs) I am. It's a beautiful day. It is a beautiful day. I can't wait to get in it. (laughs) <laughs> don't forget right. to make your way over to the Q house if you, if you can, or you can watch I it online.
1: So I'll, I'll figure it out some kind of way.
0: I know you're a music person. So this might just be just what you want to hear today. So you're right. You're right. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. All right. You're I'll right. see you. I'll see you soon. No <laughs> All right, Harry Charles play us out. Thank you very much for uh, a great show. I will be back tomorrow. And uh, let's see, who is my guest? What's tomorrow? Tomorrow's Wednesday. Why don't I have a guest tomorrow? Have a guest on Thursday? Uh, the Reverend Rosella Hughes. So I'm on my way out the door. And uh, I'll see you out here these streets. And maybe I'll see you at the Stetson for the uh, Jelly Roll Morton concert. You're not, you're going to love it. I mean, Chris Big Doll Davis, um, Ace Livingston, Misa, uh, and a couple of other folks who y'all know and love. Uh, It's going to be really good. And uh, I don't want you to miss it. So I wish it was outdoors because it's going to be a great day. To hear that kind of music outside would just be incredible. So anyway, I'll see y'all.